Good morning. If you don't have a Bible, grab a Bible and turn to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. We've been going through the book of Daniel now for some time. (laughs) But we're coming to the end, folks. And uh, what we're about to experience right now in the book of Daniel is the last vision of Daniel. The title of this series of messages is Daniel's Final Vision. Part 1, The Angelic War for Prophetic Truth. The Angelic War for Prophetic Truth. You're receiving a uh, sermon handout today that will kind of outline the next five messages in Daniel 10, 11, and 12. And I've given that to you because, again, this, this is all one vision. Starting in Daniel 10, where we are today, and continuing to the end of the book of Daniel, is one vision, one final vision that Daniel receives from the Lord. And you and I are going to piece, take this piece by piece in a five-step series. So again, the title of this series is Daniel's Final Vision, Part 1, The Angelic War for Prophetic Truth. And as we go through this vision, you're going to learn a lot about history next week. You're going to learn a lot about Antiochus Epiphanes again, whom you've heard of before in the week after. And then in part four, you're going to learn about a future king known as the King of the North or Antichrist. And finally, we will learn about the end of all these things in chapter 12. But if you have a Bible now, I'd like you to turn to Daniel chapter 10. And we're going to jump right into it because we have a lot to cover today. We're going to cover this entire chapter and then some. Beginning in verse 1, Daniel chapter 10. This is what Daniel records. Verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long. And he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks, and I ate no pleasant food. No meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the twenty-fourth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked. And we'll stop right there, actually. I went a little too far. (laughs) I cut it off mid-sentence for good reason. Where are we in the book of Daniel? Good question. It says we're in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, at the very top. The third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, would be about 536 B.C. 536 B.C. And verse 4 gives us a clue as to why Daniel may be in this state of mourning and fasting and praying that he is experiencing. Notice it says in verse 2, I was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came to my mouth, nor did I anoint myself till three whole weeks were fulfilled. But verse 4 tells us why he was in this state of mourning and fasting. You see, in verse 4 it says, on the 24th day of the first month. Well, in the Jewish calendar, the first month was the month of Nisan, like the car, but spelled a little differently. The first month of Nisan. And in the month of Nisan 
were two very significant Jewish feasts. The first occurred on the 14th of Nisan, and it was the Feast of Passover. And the second came right after the Feast of Passover. It was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so Daniel was right in the throes. He was right in the midst of two of the most important feasts of Israel, Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, both of which symbolized God's protection of Israel in Egypt. How He passed over the homes of those who had the blood on the door, uh, the blood of the Passover lamb on the door. You can read about this in, uh, you can read about their celebration of Passover in Exodus 12. And then the Feast of Unleavened Bread, how they had to get up out of their homes and head on out before, uh, before, they, before they could take necessary supplies. And so the, there was no leaven in the bread. And so these two feasts, important as they were to a faithful Jew, were perhaps some of the reasons why Daniel was fasting and praying and seeking God because it was a time in which the Jewish people would be especially mindful of their religious observance. And in the midst of all of this this fasting and praying and seeking the Lord, in the midst of all this, the, the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Daniel receives a vision. And God is about to honor His steady faithfulness. Notice what it says in verse 4. Continuing to verse 5. And when he, excuse me, verse 4. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, verse 5, and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. Who is this individual? Who is Daniel looking at? You know, we're not told precisely who this is. He's having a vision. He's by the side of the Tigris River. We're about to learn that there are others with him. We're not told precisely who it is that is revealed to Daniel. Some say it is Jesus. Others would say it's an angel. I myself would say if this be an angel, it would be the most powerful description of an angel in all of Scripture. There would be no more powerful, no more forceful description of an angel in all of Scripture if this is all this individual was. I tend to believe then that this is probably a vision of the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. Notice, waist girded with gold. Body like beryl, a precious stone, a precious crystal. Face like lightning, eyes like fire, arms and feet like burnished bronze, speech like that of a multitude. It is a powerful description of a great being, no doubt. And if it were an angel, it would be the highest description of an angel in all of Scripture. I tend to believe this is likely the very pre-incarnate Son of God. And remember, earlier in chapter 8, it says that Daniel feared the angel Gabriel. And so a couple chapters ago, Daniel met Gabriel and he was fearful. And yet the description of Gabriel in chapter 8 was nowhere near as overwhelming and powerful as the person whom Daniel beholds right now. So again, Daniel is likely looking 
upon the very Son of God. And like anyone who might behold Jesus in all His glory, Daniel grew greatly afraid. Notice verse 7. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me. For my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of His words, and while I heard the sound of His words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground." The men with Daniel did not see this messenger of God, but still they trembled, perhaps indicating that while they couldn't see him, they could hear him. And his voice, the sound of his words, were like the voice of a multitude, like the sound of thousands upon thousands. And so Daniel's men ran away from him. And Daniel was left alone. And it says no strength remained in him. His vigor turned to frailty. He retained no strength. I read this uh, to the the ladies in the office uh, a couple days ago, and I said, you know, I really resonate with this verse in verse 8. No strength remained in me. My vigor turned to frailty. Because you see, all all week long, my family was sick this week. Uh, We're we're doing okay now. Casey's still home with the kids because we didn't want to we didn't want to bring Mallory because she's still coughing a little bit. But our whole family was sick, and I'm, we're, I'm finally better today. I'm feeling good today. So don't worry if I shook your hand. I'm good. I'm good. But all week long, we were just weak and sick and frail all week long as a family. And I know many of you, I, I heard story after story of families and children who were sick and uh, just very faint this week. And it got me thinking that, you know, times of weakness, times of weakness and frailty, those are, those are watershed moments. Those are watershed moments. You see, we can use a time of weakness as an opportunity to draw nearer to God, or we can use a time of weakness as an excuse for unrighteousness. Remember Jesus' disciples? On the night that that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, what happened? They fell asleep, right? And Jesus, what what did He say to them? He said this. He said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They were so weak, they were so tired, Jesus' disciples were. On the night that, that He was up praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God to take this cup from Him, to take the cross to to somehow allow for Jesus to not have to experience the cross. And He's praying and He's seeking the Lord and He's asking God for help and He's asking His disciples, Jesus is, He's saying, hey, pray with Me. But their weakness, their frailty, leads them to sleep. Jesus says, watch, pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit is, is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. The disciples used their weakness as an excuse to avoid spiritual activity. And even last night in our home, uh, we experienced just tremendous weakness. Uh, Casey and I were very tired. The kids were fighting. 
We had nothing left to give last night. It was just one of those nights where we had nothing left to give. But rather than taking that moment of weakness as an opportunity to draw near to God, instead we just let it go. We let the night go. We didn't pray together as a family. We didn't stop in the midst of all the the fighting of the kids and take a moment of prayer and of, of maybe reading a Bible story to remind Bennett and Mallory how to treat one another. The kids just, they ran amok last night because they had two parents. My wife and I both would freely admit that, that we both were just too weak to have a care about it. We didn't discipline in love. We didn't speak spiritual words of truth. It was an awful night. When we are weak, friends, and we've all been there. Some of you are there right now. You're weak right now. When you are weak, you have two choices. You can either draw nearer to God Or you can use your weakness as an excuse to gratify the flesh. To just give up. To just say, you know, I'm tired. You know, it's been a long week. I'm just going to check out. But Christ says, I can be strong when you're weak. He says, my grace is sufficient in you. My power is made perfect in weakness. You don't have to check out when you're tired. You don't have to check out when you're sick. You can use moments of weakness as an opportunity to draw nearer to God. So go to God in weakness. Take a moment alone with God. Sit quietly before Him. Pray for healing, restoration, hope. And if you don't know what to pray, just sit quietly before Him. What does Paul say in Romans 8? He says this. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness. For we don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Even if you don't know what to pray for when you're weak or tired or sick, just sit quietly before the Lord. Take those moments in the day. Say, God, help me. Holy Spirit, lift me up right now. We don't want to be parents who check out in weakness. We don't want to be people who at 4 o'clock in the workday we just kind of check out and that last hour of work just goes to waste. We want to be a people who even in times of weakness draws nearer to the Lord and receives strength from Him. Do not use weakness as an excuse to gratify the flesh. Let it merely remind us to depend all the more on the One who is strong, the Lord. Back to our portion in Daniel though. Daniel is weakened. But suddenly he receives strength. Notice verse 10. Suddenly a hand touched me, Daniel writes, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I've come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Slowly, a hand lifts Daniel to his feet. It could have been the hand of of another angel. This could be a separate person. But it's likely that we're still dealing with the first individual that Daniel's been speaking with. 
it's likely that we're still dealing with Jesus Himself. And His words, Jesus' words, to Daniel, replace Daniel's fear with hope. He says, don't fear, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble humble yourself. Your words were heard and I've come because of those words. From the first day, friends. You see that? From the first day that we call upon the Lord, He hears us. He responds to us. In chapter 9, we had a similar statement. In chapter 9, verse 23, Gabriel told Daniel, he said, at the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to you. Gabriel told Daniel, when we are weak, just call out to God and He will respond. He sends the command to help, to aid, to comfort right when we pray. And sometimes we feel like, well, wait a minute, but God's not responding to me. I've prayed. The first words have gone out. But I don't have any help. I don't have any guidance. Sometimes it feels like the Lord isn't listening. But Daniel's vision reminds us that any delay may be due to something extraordinary. Take a look at verse 13. 13 again. God's messenger says, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now this is a very strange passage. Here we see, as Daniel is experiencing this vision. Remember, he's having a vision. He's by the the Tigris River, the Great River, and he's having a vision. And God's messenger, perhaps Jesus Himself, is speaking to him and saying, hey, when you first spoke the words, when you first lifted that prayer, I was sent to you. But I was delayed 21 days. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael... One of the chief princes came to me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. What is he talking about? What is God's messenger saying here? Clearly, we can say that a spiritual battle is taking place. We've learned already that the person to whom Daniel is speaking is an angelic presence. I believe he is the pre-incarnate Son of God Himself. And so Daniel is having a vision, experiencing the presence of God. It is not as if Jesus is then telling Daniel, I was withheld, I was, I was in contention with the actual physical king of Persia or prince of Persia. That's probably not the case here. Instead, we should take this to mean that a satanic prince was battling against God's messenger for some 21 days after the time that Daniel had called out for wisdom and understanding. Let me say that again. An angelic, excuse me, a satanic prince, a satanic prince having influence over Persia, the realm of Persia, the nation of Persia, was combating and withstanding Jesus' coming and ministering to Daniel. 
It states that God's messenger had been left alone to fight against many kings of Persia, which is to say many demonic forces. But then one comes to give him aid. It says, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now it is here that that some kind of um, balk at the notion that God's messenger to Daniel is Jesus Himself. For if it's Jesus, if Jesus is the one speaking to Daniel, then how could it be that a satanic prince could contend with the Almighty Son of God? How could Jesus not overcome them? Why would Jesus need help from one of His angels to overcome and to reach Daniel with the vision? But you see, interestingly enough, this is not the first time that the angel Michael has come to the defense of the Son of God. If you remember in Revelation chapter 12, notice what it says. In chapter 12, beginning in verse 4, she, meaning Israel, bore a male child, meaning Jesus, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God in His throne. Then the woman Israel fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Who? Michael. Michael and his angels, it says in Revelation 12. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Here we have a very poetic rendition of what has happened in the story of Israel bringing in the Messiah and Satan trying to utterly destroy the Christ child. And who fought against him? Who protected Jesus Christ? Michael, the chief prince of the angels. It's said there in Revelation 12 that Michael came to the aid of Jesus Christ. And so it can be said that Michael is entrusted with protecting the Son of God as in Revelation 12 and so also here in Daniel chapter 10. In fact, even Satan knew that angels were charged with protecting the Son of God. Do you remember when Satan tempted Jesus? What did, he have to, what did he say to Jesus in Matthew 4? Then the devil took Jesus up on the holy city in Jerusalem and set Him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And Satan said to Jesus, if you're the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. And this is Satan talking. This is Satan quoting Scripture. He says, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's Satan quoting the Scriptures to Jesus, reminding Him that even the angels have been charged with protecting the Son of God. I contend that in Daniel 10, just like in Revelation 12, just like in Matthew chapter 4, that Michael, the chief prince of the angels, was sent to aid the Son of God who then went to Daniel and gave him this vision. But let's not miss the overall point of this portion of Daniel 10. Let's not, let's not get mixed up in the details of, of which angel is protecting whom. Angelic wars. Here, here's the point of Daniel 10 in this portion of Daniel 10. Angelic wars are raging 
in the heavenlies. Spiritual battles are raging right now. Satanic powers are heavily influencing world powers right now. So much so, in fact, that these wicked spirits are called in Daniel 10, they're called the princes and the kings of Persia. The very nation in power. So influential are these evil spirits, are these messengers of Satan over world powers that that Jesus told Daniel that they can be rightly called the princes and the kings of Persia. Lest we think there's not a prince, a satanic prince or kings over our nation, we're fooling ourselves. Every nation of the world, Satan is fixated on disrupting, on corrupting, on bringing about greed and lust for power and war. And even this nation, a nation built on Judeo-Christian principles, even this nation, we should have no doubt, is being influenced heavily by satanic forces. In the midst of a spiritual war that is happening in Daniel 10 and is happening today, as we look at Daniel 10, we see what is Daniel doing? He's praying for wisdom and understanding. But instead, he receives 21 days of silence. Why? Why 21 days of silence? It wasn't that God didn't care. It wasn't that God didn't hear. It was that God heard and He sent the command, He sent His messenger to go answer Daniel, but that Jesus had been impeded from reaching Daniel because of spiritual conflict with the forces of Satan. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and against blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts or angels of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, what should we do? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. There is a war in heaven for all that transpires on earth. And any delay, any delay that we may feel, any delay of help, any delay of hope, any delay of provision, it isn't due to the fact that God doesn't care for you or that He isn't listening to you but that Satan is doing all he can to disrupt God's help from reaching you. Amen? He's doing all he can to disrupt God's help from reaching you. Spiritual battles happening right now before our eyes. If if, if we could only, I've said it before, if we could only take away the veil and see with our own eyes what is happening in the heavenlies. What is happening all around us. Angels of God battling spiritual forces of Satan. And Satan's doing all he can to corrupt and disrupt us. And so rather than becoming discouraged, rather than becoming discouraged when we feel that God is distant, we ought to pray all the more that God would make His way to us to give us help, to give us hope and strength. The problem, you know, the problem in my home last night 
The problem in my home last night was not a physical problem. It wasn't merely that we were physically sick. It wasn't merely that my kids were physically fighting. Those weren't the problems. The problems in my home were a spiritual problem. The problems in my home last night that were causing the chaos and the disruption were spiritual problems. Because you see, in our weakness, in my weakness, I was not going to God in prayer. I was not going into His Word. I was not taking my family and saying, let's let's put all of this fighting on pause. And let's seek the Lord. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Instead, I checked out. I said, you know what? I've had a long week. I've got a sermon to prepare for. I've got better things to do. And I checked out. And we had an awful night. Parents, can you resonate? You ever had an awful night when the kids were just up in arms? Grandparents, can you remember those days? They're not physical problems. I promise you. They are not physical problems that plague your family. They're spiritual problems. And if you would seek spiritual answers, you'd start seeing some solutions. Watch and pray, Jesus says, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The first thing I did this morning, the first thing I did this morning, I, I always uh, have some final preparation for my message in the morning, um, and I always hear Bennett coming down the stairs into my office, and normally, normally, I turn to him and I say, okay, Ben, Daddy's working. I've got to focus here. Go get Mommy up. <laughs> Instead, this morning... I saw him, and I, I, I'm preparing this message, you know, so I'm convicted by the Lord. And I saw him, and I, I said, come here. And I, I hugged him, and we prayed. That's the first thing we did. And Mally came down, and she walked in my office, and I hugged her, and we prayed right then. The first thing we did, we prayed. And the morning was wonderful. It was a great morning. The kids are still home. Mally still got the sniffles. But it was a peaceful and just a, a beautiful morning for our family. Now, we can, you can chalk that up to chance. You can, uh, you can say, well, you know, you got lucky. I tend to think when you bring spiritual solutions to physical problems in your home, which are real spiritual problems, you start seeing answers. You start seeing the hope that you're looking for. Back to Daniel 10, though. So here we have Jesus telling Daniel, I couldn't come for 21 days because I was spiritually upheld by satanic forces. But now he has finally reached Daniel and he tells Daniel why he has come. Verse 14. Now I've come to make you understand, Daniel, what will happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision refers to many days yet to come. And when He spoke such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips, and then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to Him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. 
For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me, nor is there any breath left in me. Then again, the one, having the likeness of a man, touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Jesus tells Daniel that the vision, all the way up in verse 14, long passage here, the vision that Daniel's about to receive, about to experience, concerns his people in the latter days. It concerns Israel, Daniel's people, and Israel's future. And immediately it says that Daniel became weak again. You might wonder, well, why, why, does, he keep, why does he keep losing strength? Daniel says, My Lord, verse 16, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me. I've retained no strength. I can't even speak to you, he says. There's no breath left in me. Why was Daniel so overwhelmed again? To the point that he no longer even wished to to talk. I think that Daniel was likely discouraged by the topic of their conversation. You see, Jesus was, had just told Daniel why he had come. He said, I've come to tell you about your people and to tell you about their future. And immediately it says Daniel went faint. Why? Well, because the last time Daniel had received a prophecy of his people, his countrymen, it was very troublesome to him. You can read about it at the end of verse, chapter 9. Read the end of chapter 9 of Daniel, one of the hardest portions in all of Daniel. And what you will read there is a time of trouble for the nation of Israel unlike any other in human history. And so Daniel, receiving another vision a few years later after chapter 9, and and God's messenger, perhaps Jesus Himself, telling him, hey, I'm going to tell you more about Israel. Daniel says, you know what? I've had enough hearing about my countrymen. I am so discouraged and beat up about their future and about what they will go through, Lord. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. It's likely that Daniel just didn't want to hear any more talk about the the trials that await his countrymen, for it grieved him so. And that reminds me, uh, you know, in my own life, I've got... Uh, one dear friend in particular who is going through so many difficulties right now, this person is, so many trials and so many hardships that I'm getting to the point where I don't want to hear it anymore. Where I hear about the trials and I hear about the hardships and I, I recognize that this person is going through intense, intense, prolonged years of pain and suffering and I get to the point in my flesh where I say, you know... Uh, I'm tired of hearing that. It, it grieves me. It burdens me. It, 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 it breaks me. And I become depressed by their burdens and depressed by their sorrows. I resonate with Daniel here. He doesn't want to hear it anymore. He's heard enough. And yet, what does the psalmist say? What does David say in Psalm 55? He says, cast your burden on the Lord. Don't keep it. 
Cast your burden on the Lord and He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Don't carry those burdens alone. Jesus tells you elsewhere in the Gospels, He says, take His yoke upon you and learn from Him. For He's gentle and lowly in heart. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. When we, when we hear from others and, and we, we get depressed and beaten down and discouraged by someone else's trials and, and travails, we need to remind ourselves it's not just for us to bear, but we're to wrap our arms around them and say, let's take this to the Lord. He's the one who can bear it. He's the one who can hold it. We can take this burden and give it to Him. If you hold it on to yourself, you will, you will wither and die. The one dealing with the burden will wither and die. And the one hearing the burden will wither and die. They will become spiritually cold and calloused as they hear story after story of struggle and trials and tribulation. Instead, we hear that and we say, hey, let's pray right now. Let's go right now to the Lord. We wrap our arms around them. We bear up one another's burdens and lift those burdens to the Lord. We don't hold on to them ourselves. It's a lesson that I can learn over and over again. And God here is strengthening Daniel. He's speaking words of hope to Daniel. And He speaks again. It says in verse 18 again, Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me, and he strengthened me, and he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not, peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. And when he spoke, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak, for you've strengthened me. And so we close with verse 20 to verse 2 of the next chapter. Then he said, God's messenger, he said, do you know why I've come to you? And now, he says very soon here, now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I've gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come but I, I will tell you what is noted in the Scripture of truth. No one, no one upholds me against these, these spiritual forces, except Michael your prince. Also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now, I will tell you the truth. We'll cut it off mid-sentence waiting for next week. What is happening in this last passage? There's some, some disjointed conversation, it seems. God's messenger, Jesus, is now preparing Daniel for the vision that is to come in chapters 11 and chapter 12. And soon he'll return to spiritual... Jesus will. Soon he will be returning to spiritual battles against satanic forces that control Persia and the rising Greek Empire, he says... Soon the angel Michael will again have to give him aid and to help Jesus in the spiritual battles that lie ahead. But for now, the Son of God has come to explain the Scripture of truth, he says. God's Word of truth. And in the coming chapters, Jesus is going to unfold for Daniel the outline of much world history and its implications for the Jewish people. Some of it will be troublesome. But in the end, the Lord will prove Himself faithful and that He was in control all along. And inasmuch 
as it seems that Satan may be in control of this world, Jesus reminds Daniel that God intervenes. He inserts Himself just when the time is right. Just like God intervened with Darius the Mede. Notice what it says in verse 1 of chapter 11. He says, also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, Jesus says, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. God intervenes when the time is right. And He used Darius the Mede to honor Daniel and to watch over the Jewish people in the midst of a transition of power between Babylon and Persia. God upheld him. And so inasmuch as we see satanic forces over the powers of this world, we also see God inserting Himself when the time is right. And in the same manner, the Son of God will come again to insert Himself and bring everlasting righteousness in the Kingdom of God. And we'll read about that as we close the book in chapter 12. But for now, we're going to stop. And it's an awkward place to stop, but we had to stop somewhere. We're going to await the forthcoming weeks in which we will understand world history, understand the future, understand the coming kingdom of God. But as we leave the vision today, as we've had an introduction today, I want to take four things home today. Four things that you can write down on your outline. Some ways to apply this to our lives. Number one, know this. Weakness can be an excuse to gratify the flesh or it can be an opportunity for spiritual growth and intimacy with God. You've got two choices in weakness. You can either check out and be selfish or you can use it as an opportunity to pray and to seek the Lord with you and your family for spiritual growth and intimacy with God. Number two, earthly conflicts of any kind, any kind, are but a reflection of what is happening in the heavenlies. And I mean that from the simplest of things to the greatest of things. From, from the children fighting to nations going to war, there are spiritual forces at work. Recognize these earthly conflicts for what they are. Spiritual issues. Three, so pray fervently for God's help, healing, and restoration. He will send aid at the sign of our first prayer. We've seen that twice now in Daniel. From the first going of that prayer, God will send the aid. He will send the help. But four, even if God's help is delayed, even if it's delayed, know assuredly that it is because His angels are fighting against principalities, powers, and spiritual hosts of wickedness. So don't lose heart. I know that sometimes we might think, you know, it's been a long time since this prayer has been answered. But it could be like those 21 days of waiting. Where Daniel was waiting for wisdom, waiting for understanding, and Jesus says, I was on my way, but I was held up. So don't lose heart. Pray all the more fervently for God to come and to give us aid. So here we are, our first of a five-part series in Daniel's final vision. Uh, let's, uh, let's prepare our hearts for what God has to say to us in the weeks to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this time in Your Word. Lord, uh, a wonderful, some wonderful lessons for us to have in this portion of Daniel 10. 
To know that weakness, Lord, is either an excuse to check out or an opportunity, Lord, to draw nearer to You. To know that You are sending help from the first prayer that goes up. To know, Lord, that even when the answer is wait, it is likely that there are spiritual forces at work delaying and causing conflict and God's aid to be held up. God, I pray that as spiritual people that we are, as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would recognize the earthly conflicts for the spiritual conflicts that they are. And that all of us, whether we're a young child, a teenager, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, whatever, whoever we are, Lord, I pray that we would bring spiritual solutions to the problems that we have. From the smallest of problems to the greatest of them. That we would seek Your face, knowing that while Your help might be delayed, that it is yet to come. And we but need to pray more fervently and seek Your face for that help. We know, Lord, that You are on our side. That You have our best interests at heart. We pray that You would reach out to us and help us as we call upon You. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.